tonight. Would you take the Word of God with me and turn to the book of Acts and uh, chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, as you turn there, uh, last week we talked about two points of emphasis that Paul, as he gathers the, he's in Miletus, but he gathers the elders in Ephesus, asks them to come down to Miletus. He has uh, some last words for them, and in those last words he tells them, I'm never going to see you again. So we would think that the words that he's going to tell them are very important. And I mentioned there are two aspects to Paul's final words to the elders of Ephesus. In the first instance, he looks and reflects on his past ministry in Ephesus. And then he looks to the future and he charges them uh, to the future. But I'd like to add another aspect. There are actually three aspects of this meeting between Paul and the elders of Ephesus uh, that we're going to focus on over the last few weeks. Now, not next week, but uh, into the new year. And so, first of all, if you notice, just as we look at an overview of uh, this passage here in Acts chapter 20, we see, first of all, that he reflects on the past. If you notice with me, verse 18 and 19, he uh, says this, uh, and many that, or, or excuse me, I mean, that's chapter... 19. Chapter 20, verse 18 and 19. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all readiness of mine. And so he reflects on the past ministry and he says, This is how I serve. And we're going to deal with that this morning. Uh, how should we serve the Lord? But there's a second aspect in verse 24. He says, uh, well, verse 23 and 24, he says, Save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and affliction abide me, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. Here we see his perspective of the present. So he first talks about some reflections of his past ministry. He gives them his perspective of the present. And we're going to talk about that. I think it's worthy of one message. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. What does that mean? But then there's a third aspect, and that is his admonition in view of the future. He is thinking about he is never going to see them again. And so he charges the elders of Ephesus in verse 28, he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. And he gives them a warning about some things that are to come. But we're going to spend some time looking at the first aspect, and that is Paul's reflection of the past ministry in Ephesus. Let's stand together for the reading of God's word. We'll read verse 17 and go down to verse 21. So Acts 20, verse 17. The Word of God says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons." serving the Lord with all humility of mine and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying 
to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to bring your attention to both verse 18 and 19. There are some elements that we find here. He says in verse 18, Ye know what manner I have been with you. He says, uh, at all season, notice verse 19, serving the Lord. There's no period at the end of verse 18. So he talks about the manner of his ministry while he was serving the Lord. So I'd like to preach this morning a message that I've entitled, How Should We Serve the Lord? How Should We Serve the Lord? Or Our Manner of Service. As I mentioned last week, uh, none of Paul's reflections of his past ministry involve buildings or numbers. But they involve a whole lot of how. You see, ultimately, at the end of the road, when we are done serving God, and that done means the day we die. I hope none of us will be done until that day. God is not going to say, well, how many buildings did you build? How many people did you save? How much money did you give? I think it's going to be, how did you serve God? At the judgment seat of Christ, we are told by Paul, Our work is going to be tried by fire of what sort it is. And so God is interested in the sort of work and our service and how we do it. So let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, for the example of the Apostle Paul. And I pray that you would help us to learn from this example as he looks back on his past ministry. Might we serve the Lord in the same way? And may we be greatly concerned about our manner of service. So give us understanding by your Spirit. Instruct us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now before we go into the details of Paul's service in Ephesus and how he served in Ephesus, which he details himself, it is important to determine, first of all, uh, a characteristic of the ministry of the Apostle Paul and that... Characteristic, I think, could be found in the word consistency in his service for God. If you notice in verse 18, when he talks about the manner in which he served the Lord, he says this in verse 18. Notice the verse. He says, When they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from, here it is, the first day. So Paul looks back on his ministry and he says, From the first day that I came unto you. The implications of this is that Paul says, from the first day to the last day. You know how I served, what manner I served among you from the very first day. So that means that Paul is referring back to a consistent and faithful ministry from the very first day. But then he also says this, After what manner I have been with you at all seasons. So there's a word here that I think we can focus on as before we go into the details, and that is what characterizes the ministry of the Apostle Paul. I think we could say consistency because it was from the first day and at all seasons. And so Paul had been consistent in his service for the Lord from the 
first day to the last day. That is a wonderful characteristic of ministry. Remember, when we meet the Lord one day, uh, based on what Paul says, I would like to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, it takes time to establish a good testimony. He said, from the first day that I've been with you to the last day at all season. And so it takes time to establish a good testimony, but it takes just a moment to destroy it. What I'm saying to us is if Paul had had a moment, he could not have said, from the first day and at all seasons. See, Paul had spent much time establishing a good testimony before the people in Ephesus, before the church in Ephesus, and also before the elders in Ephesus, uh, both within and without the church, and it would only take a moment for Paul to ruin such a testimony. But yet, it, it is characterized by faithfulness. Maybe we could use the word faithfulness instead of consistency, since that's the Bible word. But faithful ministry. Not only does he say from the first day, but he also mentions at all seasons. Now, now what does that mean? Well, Paul evidently had been consistent in his service for the Lord at all seasons. In other words, Paul had gone through what we might say were good seasons and bad seasons. Uh, you remember when he writes back about his ministry in Ephesus, he says, there's a great door open unto me. There are, however, many adversaries. And so Paul says, look, it's evident we've seen the hand of God. And so you could imagine that Paul, when he saw the hand of God, it would encourage him to serve God. But then when adversity comes, he continued to serve God. That's what he means by all seasons. You see, there's times of rejoicings, but there's also times of affliction. Yet through all seasons, he remained faithful to the Lord. And I believe that one of the greatest marks of good character is faithfulness. By the way, this is in keeping with what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. You remember what he said to him? He said, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. What is that? In all seasons. There will be some seasons, Timothy, where you're going to feel like preaching the word. And there's going to be some seasons when you're not going to feel like preaching the word. But nonetheless, at all seasons, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. So before we see the details, I think this is the greatest characteristic of Paul's ministry in Ephesus, faithfulness. From the beginning and at all seasons. But now let's dig into Paul's service for the Lord. How did he do it? The word that is indicative of that question, how did Paul do ministry, is the expression we find at the end of verse 18. Notice with me, Ye know from the first day that I came in into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. And so here we have the manner of ministry, not the result of the ministry, but the way in which he served God. 
And I believe that what is more important for us is not the result of our service for God, but the way in which we serve God. The fruit or the result belongs to the Lord. Doesn't the Bible say He gives the increase? We need to be found faithful. And trust God that He brings the increase in His time. But we must be faithful. As we think about the how of service, there's a a question, a preliminary question we find in this how, and that is, what is the basis of the service of Paul? Verse 19, I think this is again a foundational, his ministry is characterized by faithfulness, but what lays at the foundation of his ministry? The first uh, three words of verse 19 give us the foundation. Here it is, three words. Serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. What is the basis of service? I I would say to us this morning that the basis of all service should be the glory of God. Uh, You remember, if you turn, hold your place here and turn back with me to Acts chapter 13. In a sense, in Acts chapter 13 marks the beginning local church ministry of the Apostle Paul when he was in Antioch. That's where God... Uh, by the Holy Spirit separated Barnabas and Paul for the work that he called them to do, the missionary work. But notice how they were serving in the church of Antioch. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1, Now there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they, notice, ministered to who? Well, wait a minute. What were they doing in uh, verse 1? The Bible says prophets and teachers. So what were they doing? They were teaching in the church. We know, you remember, Barnabas had been sent from the church of Jerusalem to go to Antioch to teach the people. Barnabas recruited uh, Paul uh, from Tarsus, asked him to come down to teach with them at the church of Antioch, uh, to teach the people. And so here's those teachers, those uh, men who are faithfully teaching in the church. And when we get into the details, we understand the basis of their service. What were they really doing? They were ministering unto the Lord. Now let me ask you this. What does that mean? Were Paul and Barnabas teaching God? No, you can't teach God. Who hath taught the Lord? The question was asked. No one has taught the Lord. Who has been his instructor? No one. What does that mean? That they taught the people for God. There was no personal agenda going on. They were doing what they were doing for the glory of God. They were ministering to the Lord and all ministry should be to the Lord. And so when we read here about Paul's ministry, the way in which he served God, the first thing we see is that he was serving God. The Lord. Paul was not serving himself in Ephesus. Paul was not involved in the ministry of Ephesus for personal gain. The word serving here is the word that uh, Paul often uses in the New Testament uh, as uh, himself a servant. It's the word doulos, which means a servant, a bond slave. The meaning here of the word expresses Paul's perspective about the ministry. You see, Paul saw himself as a servant. What does the word mean? It means it is uh, uh, someone who is a servant whose will is voluntarily swallowed up in the will of another. 
It is a, a servant whose will is voluntarily submitted or given up or turned over to the will of another. Not my will, but thine be done. That's the words of our Savior Jesus Christ. And so we see here that he is serving the Lord. His mindset is not, now, do the people benefit from the ministry of Paul? Of course they do. But who is it done for? It's done for the Lord. If you turn with me to the book of Colossians. Now, if we think that this would be limited to the preaching ministry or the public ministry of the church, I'd like to bring your attention to the application as to what areas of our lives are involved in this service for the Lord. In Colossians chapter 3, uh, notice with me verse, uh, notice verse 23 and 24. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily. Why should we do it heartily? As to the who? The Lord and not unto men. Who are you serving? Men or the Lord? He says, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord, for ye serve the Lord Christ. So notice here, I want you to notice the context though, because we think here, oh, well, that's wonderful. Do it all to the Lord. What's the context of this? Well, if you go back to a few, a few verses, notice verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, verse 19, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Verse 21, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in, the, in singleness of heart, fearing God. And then he says, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. So he says, wives... Husbands, children, fathers, servants, do what you do for God. Not primarily, although there is a benefit for the other person, not primarily for their benefit, but primarily for the glory of God. Do it to God for the Lord. So this applies to every area of our lives. We might think here that we might escape. Well, pastor, you're talking about Paul's ministry. He's serving God uh, in Ephesus, but that's talking about his teaching and preaching ministry. And I say to us here that it applies to every area of our lives. Don't, we don't do what we do be, because we uh, think that we've come up with a, a better way. We do what we do because God has instructed us, and the reason we do what we do is because we want to please Him. If we do what we do to please Him, we do not have to worry about the consequences or the outcome because it's for the Lord. You see, often people may be disappointed when they serve God in church. They say, well, uh, you don't understand. The, the pastor, I did this and the pastor never recognized me and he never, he never thanked me. I will say to you at that moment, who are you doing it for? Are you doing it for the praise of men or... Are you doing it for the praise of God? You see, ultimately, if we're doing for the Lord, we're not seeking the praise of men. We're not seeking recognition 
We're not seeking to be seen in our service. We know that God sees. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that God is not unjust to forget our labor of love. Men may forget, I may forget, but God never does. So we see here that um, he is serving the Lord. Now, as we look at the service here, Paul is very careful to address not just the service for the Lord, but the manner of his service. God is not just interested in us serving him. That's part of it, but he is also greatly interested in the way in which we serve him. You see, sometimes we may say, well, I'm, I'm serving God. What's the big deal? How are you serving Him? It is just as important. So how did Paul do it? I think we could look back throughout the book of Acts and look at individual cities and say, oh, there's a church that was planted. It's the church at Ephesus. And we could point to things, look, this is what was done. But here... Paul doesn't say what was done. He says how it was done. So how did Paul serve God? Let's look at it. Verse 19. Serving the Lord with, the first one is with all humility of mind. All humility of mind. The expression here, so his service was with all humility of mind. His, this is Paul's mindset about himself. You see, he served the Lord with all humility of mind. Now, that follows the first part of the verse, which says serving the Lord. <laughs> Can anyone truly serve God and have that perspective that their desires to glorify God and be boastful and proud about it? If you're serving God and you know who God is and you do it for the right reason, is it possible that there be the presence of, of pride and say, well, I, I'm, I'm in it for me? And I'm better than so-and-so. No, that's not how Paul served. He, he served with all humility of mind. That's his mindset about himself. The word humility of mind here means basically modesty, uh, a humbleness of mind, a lowliness of mind. And there are many scriptures that show us that. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. That's what Paul wrote. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, he writes this to the church at Philippi. He says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, he says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. And then he says this, For God resisteth the proud, but gives, giveth grace to the humble. You see, when pride is involved, God resists you. But if you serve in lowliness of mind, God gives your grace. He enables you to serve Him so that your sufficiency is not found in you, but it is found in the Lord. And so here, His service was with all humility of mind, with lowliness of mind, but also we see that His service was with many tears. So we see His mindset about Himself, but then we also see His heart for others. 
He says, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears. Now, why would that be important? I think that the tears reflect the heart of Paul. There is a mindset about himself, lowliness of mind. He did not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Remember, concerning his apostleship, he, he said, I'm the least of the apostles. Concerning his sainthood, he says, I'm the least of all the saints. And so he served God in lowliness of mind, but also his heart. His heart for others, he served with tears. Later, notice in verse 31 of the same chapter, he says, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years, he recounts his time in Ephesus, which was three years. He says, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Tears. Oh, a good insight into the heart of, of Paul. He was not just teaching and preaching to them and serving God. He was serving God with tears. Tears is the insight into the heart. Uh, I remember what my dad uh, uh, said, and it was a time when uh, the Lord was doing a work in my heart on surrender. And I remember uh, a season in my life as a teenager where I was completely uh, broken, and there was a season of a of a lot of weeping, and there was a wrestling match between me and the Lord about who was going to be in control. And my dad says, when God squeezes your heart, it comes out your eyes. And so I realized that God has been squeezing my heart. And Paul's desire for those believers in Ephesus is that they continue. And he warned them why. He knows what could come when he preached to them in the last ministry, in his ministry of three years in Ephesus. He warned them with tears. He had a heart of love for those people in Ephesus. So his service with, with all humility of mind, his mindset about himself was with many tears, his heart for others. But then we see that his service was with temptations. Notice at the end of verse 19, and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Now the word temptation means here uh, adversities, trials. You can even, so there's not necessarily a, uh, it's not necessarily a negative or a positive. It could mean experiences. And so these temptations that befell Paul, he links that to the lying in wait of the Jews. Now, uh, the expression here, lying in wait, was that the Jews were at some point plotting against Paul. There are many attempts on his life throughout his ministry. There was conspiracies against Paul. And he says that when I served you, I served you, notice, in temptations. What does that mean? Well, Back in verse 18, he says, At the first and in all seasons, when it was good and when it was bad, I remained faithful to God. That's his perseverance through adversity. That is how Paul served God in Ephesus. The mindset about himself was that he had a lowliness of mind. He esteemed other better than themselves. We should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. He had a heart of love for the people in Ephesus. He ministered with tears and he persevered through adversity. That's how Paul served God. Is that how we serve the Lord today? To go to the point of Colossians, uh, wives, how are you serving God? 
As a wife, husbands, how are you serving God? Children, how are you serving God with respect to your parents? Uh, employer, employee or employer, how are you serving God? Is it in the same way? With the same mindset and uh, the same heart and the perseverance through adversity? Now that's a big one because we understand the culture we live in. There's not much perseverance through adversity. At the first sight of problem, that's it. We pack up the bags, we go home, we find a different job. There's no uh, uh, faithfulness and sticking to it. We, we just want uh, to give up and, and give in. Uh, why? A little bit of adversity. A little bit of trial. We fold under the pressure. That is not how Paul served God. Pastor, what if we get to the place where we don't feel like serving God? Very simple. Keep serving God. You would not be the first to continue to serve God through adversity. And you won't be the last. But we also notice another thing. We see His uh, service was with all humility of mind, was with many tears, with temptations, but also His service was with profitableness. Notice, and I include verse 20 and 21 in that. He says, and how... I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think we see here, what was Paul's objective? We know his mindset. We see his heart. We know that he persevered through adversity. But what was his objective? His service for God was with all profitableness to the people of Ephesus. Notice he says it in verse uh, 20, how I kept back nothing that was profitable. Now, this is very important. Paul was interested in what would profit the believers at Ephesus. So what he's saying here is, is not necessarily what you liked to hear. Uh, not necessarily what you wanted to hear, but what was profitable for you. And I kept back nothing. So Paul basically says that there might have been times when I shared and taught you and, and shared some things with you, and I didn't hold anything back, but I did what I did that you might have been offended, but I did what I did to, to profit you. I think we can think about his letter to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians is filled with Paul reproving them to get things right. His second letter is to commend them for getting those things right. He didn't hold anything back. He says, I, I did what I did because it was for your profit. Isn't it what parents do with their children? All the time. You don't do what your children want. If you do that, you're going to have a rough life. You do what is most profitable for them. And so there is a sense when, when we serve God, we have to have the right objective about ministry. The Bible says, uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see that they're approaching, the idea of exhorting is to build each other up. Are we being profitable to the ministry of the church? Are we doing what is most profitable? Is that the objective? Or 
we just want to do our own thing, and there's like no objective in us serving God. He says, I've showed you what was profitable and taught you publicly what was profitable. Uh, I think here there's three elements. He, he showed you, he says, he used the word, I've showed you. So he demonstrated by his life. Then I taught you, and there's two elements to the teaching. There is the publicly, and then from house to house. So there's publicly, and then privately. From house to house would be enclosed. Publicly would be in the typical time in the marketplaces, or if he would go to the synagogue, he would preach in a public way. House to house would be privately. And so here he kept back nothing. <laughs> now the tendency we might think that, oh, in private, yeah, he... He didn't keep anything back, but publicly he kind of smoothed things over a little bit. No, he was consistent throughout. Not only to demonstrate in his life how he showed them, but also to teach both in the private setting and in the public setting, Paul was consistent across the board, faithful across the board. But then he speaks of his testifying ministry, and he mentions two aspects of that testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the testifying of Paul, uh, I, I deal with this verse a lot. And I know that we're, we deal with that with respect to salvation, but I'd like to emphasize the fact that Paul kept nothing back but what was profitable. And that means that in his teaching there was both a negative aspect and then a positive aspect to it. What did he... Uh, tell Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, negative, exhort, positive, with all long-suffering in doctrine. So there's a negative aspect, but there's a positive aspect. We can read also 1 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, negative. For instruction in righteousness. Positive. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly uh, furnished unto all good works. And so under, I know the type of society we live in. And that we live in the midst of many churches who seek to only have a positive message. But they are missing half of the message. There is a negative element to the teaching and the preaching of God's word. And it is interesting that the negative always becomes before the positive. Why? Well, you have to tear down everything that is false before you can teach the truth. You have to strip away the wrong mindset so that you can think like Christ. And so when we think about what Paul says here, I kept back nothing from you. There is both a negative and a positive aspect to uh, that ministry, and both are important. And Paul says, that is how I serve God. And so I want us to apply those things to how we serve God to every aspect of our lives. Wives, husbands, fathers, children, employee, serving in the church, preacher, teacher, whatever it is. How should we serve in those eras with humbleness of mind first? Well, let me go back. Serve God. Do what you do for the Lord. Have a humbleness of mind as you serve God. Put your heart in it. Fathers, for your children, do you, what do you envision for your children? What is your heart for your children? Do you 
let me ask, do you ever weep for your children that one day they might forsake God? Does that grieve you at your heart? And perseverance. What about persevering through adversity, through, through temptations? Do we, what, what, do we, what do we show after a little bit of adversity? Do we just put up our hands and we quit and that's it? And is what we do, is it profitable? Wives, your ministry towards your husband, is it profiting him? Husbands, your ministry towards your wife, is it profitable to her? Fathers, your children, is, is your ministry to your children profitable to them? Children, is your ministry towards your parents profitable to them? As you serve in the Lord, there's my son. <laughs> As you serve God in this church, are you doing what is profitable for the body of Christ? You see, God is not just interested in us serving Him, but He wants us to serve Him in the right way. If we serve in the right way, we can have confidence that God, as He uses us as submitted vessels for His use, serving the Lord, then God will do great things in our families, through the church, when we get the how right. And so may the Lord help us to serve the Lord in the best way.